Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I am joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one, Emilio Diaz. Stan Cullen Ashley. Emilio. <laughs> Today, we're starting a cycle of episodes that will go through... Uh, it will consist of four episodes over roughly the next nine months in which we will use the occasion of our birthdays to investigate the, uh, the year in which each of us were born as a festival year. So today we will be discussing... Four movies from the year of 1997, and what I'll say, we've each picked one of these movies, and if anyone can tweet at us and correctly guess who picked each movie, you will win your choice of these movies in a digital copy. Wow. Some exclusions may apply in the uh what which, which Wong Kar Wai movie are we talking about happy together happy together happy together is exclusively streaming on the uh criterion channel so if you choose that movie who knows what you will receive you might receive an out of print dvd you might receive a turtles album wow a Turtles album. Now that we've got that out of the way, we're going to start at the beginning of the year with uh, the Berlin I, Film Festival. Yeah. And we have chosen a movie that premiered at that festival to represent it, and that movie is from the uh, special screening section uh Boy, is it Chris special. Marker's level five? Yeah, level five. Yeah, yeah. Now, who picked yeah. this one? <laughs> <laughs> We're not you saying when you want to properly represent a film festival, you pick something from its special presentation. Yes, that's right. Truly, the most accurate um, way to portray. I will say this is this is a this, so this is something that happens at Berlin often but happened like a lot this year which is that Berlin will often take American movies from the previous year mm -hmm. that have had previously only played in the United States and so you've got this year you've got uh, Spike Lee's Get on the Bus you've got Best Picture winner, The English Patient. You've got Golden Bear winner, The People vs. Larry Flint. Uh, and you've got Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. All in competition. And so there's a lot of stuff in here that it's like... Is that really representative? It's, certain, it's certainly not representative of the year 1997. It's like... It, in some ways, it's not representative of Berlin and that it didn't premiere there, but in some ways, it's very representative of Berlin. Uh, but yeah, we're not talking about any of those movies. We're talking about Level 5. Yes. 
which I guess for those of you who have not seen level five, uh, which I would imagine is everyone, it seems to not be very widely seen. Uh, it is it's on Hoopla though. It is available on Hoopla if you it's have got a library. two stars. I think it's, it's like two five. and a half. It's like it, it, not many ratings. Okay. It's like nine ratings, and it's like at two and a half. Right. I think um, it is about a lady who is programming a like video game simulation of Okinawa, the World War Two battle. Um, and also it is about that battle and eventually, essentially it's like it intercuts like her giving monologues to the camera about this process and like her experiences in this process with like documentary footage of like what, of, of providing you context on Okinawa is essentially like what the movie is. Is that, that's accurate, right? That's, that's pretty much all, what it is. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, like, I guess, like, whatever plot-wise you could describe it, that is what it is about linearly. It's sort of trying to be essayistic about, I don't know, it, it's, like, it's sort of about a thing that I think about often, which is, like, when you're, like, like, like even a, not a very, like, I don't consume that much anime because I don't watch a lot of things because I have no attention span, but when you watch a lot of stuff like Cowboy Bebop and Ghost in the Shell and that sort of thing, you sort of can't help but to think about J Japan's relationship to America and what World War II did to that sure. sort of stuff. So it does sort of seem to be like around those topics of just like computers in the digital era and what sort of history we're erasing by the way we are, we consume the we consume our history these days we just like the sort of sources and the way that the disconnection of our ties to like the real humans and people who experience and know about these things and also it's, it's just like it's about like digital disconnect it's about a lot of things it's sort of a dense thing to talk about i know colin liked it and he has different thoughts No, I, I mean, I liked it. It's, it is dense. Like you're saying, it's like it, when I was watching it, like the thought kept crossing my mind that I was like, there's no way I'll be able to sound like at all, um, like cogent about it. Like I think, right. cause like Chris Marker is someone who I've like come to only this year and watch, uh, La Jete, which I thought was like very brilliant. Um, and it's like obviously more well known and well renowned than, um, level five is, but I think like. He's someone who's very good at, like, as broad as it is to say, he's very good at editing. And I think, like, the editing of, like, putting the, like, uh, people who are, like, the documentary subjects in a way, uh, like, within the video game, like, structure, I think is very good. And then, like, the uses of real footage, like, is very effective. And, like, the way that, it, just that it, uh, the sort of formal, uh, or sorry, formatting structure of it is, like, cutting between, like, his narration over, like, the sort of edited-together footage back to just, like, essentially direct-to-camera monologues by uh, the main character, Laura, um, is very effective. And, like, those segments of her I responded to the most, except, like, near the end when it, like, turns to mostly him, I thought was, like, 
really good. And when it's like, I, I don't have the name right now, but the guy who's like talking about Japan's relationship specifically to like how they just leave everything like they don't talk about it. And like, which is just every sort of culture of like who has these historic like atrocities. They just, you know, brush them under the rug. But just talking about Japan specifically, which is like I've never taken like a Japan or Japanese history class. Uh, and it was like interesting in that regard. And, uh, like, I, I just think he's very, like, La Jate is, like, essentially all still frame images, like, stitched together, like, in quick succession and, like, uh, with narration over it. And it, like, tells us very, it's like, I mean, for people who don't know, it is what 12 Monkeys is based on. And it's, like, tells the essentially the entire story of 12 Monkeys in 20 minutes. And, like, 12 Monkeys, <laughs> a weird tangent to go on, but, like, I watched that at the beginning of this year and, like, really loved it, and someone recommended La Jate to me, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, this is, like, what I love about 12 Monkeys just distilled, and I think it's very um, uh, a very emotional movie, and I think the uh, level five for, like, being as sort of steely and dense as it is hits the emotions that I felt with La Jate, uh like, pretty frequently, and it's, like, I think it's, like, a uh, hundred minutes, maybe a little mo- longer, but it hit those moments a lot. And like, mm. I liked it. I think more than like my co-hosts, co-hosts. But I do think uh, it might be one that I need to like watch again, just because like I truly, without like to be just self-deprecating, I think I might just be too dumb <laughs> to like fully uh, understand everything that it's saying, and like fully understand like his structure and like what he's referencing. Because there's like, you know. Marker, I would imagine, is, like, a guy who was influential to, like, Guy Madden. And, like, it's very, like, similar to the uh, Godard, like, essay films that I've seen. Like, it's that same vibe with his, like, cobbled together uh, footage from, like, real things. Like, documentary and, like, there's, like, shots of, like, John Wayne and, like, clips from a John Huston movie. Uh, But, yeah, I did like it. I, that's basically all I can say about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> Just the very basic take of good. Yeah, it's, like, interesting, because it's, like, all the stuff that you said you like is the stuff I sort of responded to the least. Like, I found it sort of sluggishly edited for what it's trying to do. I felt like it took, like, too much time in each, seg- each segment. But I, did, I appreciate, like, in its totality, the sort of, like, relationships it's trying to draw between, like, di- the digital era, like, conformity with the way we receive information versus like the actual relationship we should have to things that have happened so we don't forget and we like can make sure that we understand that we have made mistakes in the past and there are things to learn from that so we don't continue to make them and like it's funny to think about because it's like all these movies are about 1997. It's like a movie from 1997 that I also really love. It's like Perfect Loop, the Satoshi Kon movie, which is like about a lot of stuff also, but it's like what I really appreciate about it. It's like, it's like, even though it's from 97, it has like a better understanding of the modern internet and the relationships that exist between people within it than like most movies made these days, which I found like corny and embarrassing about it. And I think it's, like, interestingly interestingly paired with this movie and also, like, Ghost in the Shell, which obviously came out two years before. And, like, 12 Monkeys is also sort of a movie that you could, like, find sort of parallels to, which also, like, came out in 90... When did 12 Monkeys? Is that, like, 95? 
I think it's like the, yeah, it's like uh, this yeah. like short sort of short period of time from like ninety five to ninety nine of like the sort of imagination that exists around the internet and then like cyberpunk fiction. Like the movie begins by like referencing William yeah. Gibson and other and other things on the game, and just like those sorts of the the imagination that those movies have about the representation of the internet, which is like is is like reaches us a level of just of emotional accuracy that I think most movies that are set these days which have a more technical accuracy of the how the internet works obviously because they're set in a time in which we all know that and I sort of like sort of yearn for that sort of representational like we understand these sorts of like this sort of relationship we we have with these things I think Matrix is another thing that sort of like gets at the relationship us as humans have with internet and how like in some ways it erodes humanity in some ways it just like allows us to receive a sort of new level of understanding transhumanism and all that like William Gibson like stuff and that's what that's what certainly what I appreciate about it it's like I've never seen a, it's like a, I never expected to see a movie about like a real time strategy games like a movie about like a total war game and it'd be made this like compellingly yeah. and lovingly I just like was not fully engaged by it its structure in certain ways like I think like yeah. for a movie that sort of has a lot to say and should be bouncing around and stuff it spends a lot of time on the battle of Okinawa and just like that sort of like history lesson which I like on a certain level it's like you said like I've never taken Japanese history class like or like that, deep, gone that deep into like World War Two history, obviously. So, yeah. so I appreciate learning what they're saying, but I feel like there could have been a shorter way of getting to that and like using that sort of story to manage it seems better. I don't know. It's like a very dense movie. It's like I certainly yeah. should watch it again. I appreciate the aesthetics of it a lot. It's like very like early cyberpunk vaporwave, yeah. like like a, a, a yeah, CRT yeah. understanding of like digital technology that it's like I guess it's retrofuturism but I guess when people talk about retrofuturism they talk about more like fallout like space age 60 stuff and not like what what if what if yeah, VCRs like, uh, ruled the universe and that's the technology we were still using I know but yeah it's the, the yeah the the motif of her like scanning her hand on like a computer monitor is like it's very yeah, all that stuff. It, it reminded me of you know I I brought this up in our uh, in our group threat, and I don't think anyone else has the reference for it because they're all too young. But it reminded me a lot of uh, watching Ghost Rider on PBS, like that sort of aesthetic of like all those yeah. those computers and things like, like that. I saw Ghost Rider in theaters, but I mean I didn't know that they aired it on PBS. <laughs> Get out of here with this! Um, Stop tying I do want to say nonsense. It's I like was very, also going to say that the movie yeah. invented Zoom backgrounds. There's like a moment where she's like taking yes. out masks or whatever to like digitize Right. Oh, that yeah. seems so great. Like, yeah, the visuals of it are, I think, really stunning. Like, yeah. it is this. Ain't, it's like, like shot ancient. on video, too, right? Like, it yeah, has that. I, I think so, yeah. It's like, um, but like the the aesthetic of it, it's something that my I, it may just be nostalgia, and that's why I respond to it. But it like looks so cool. And, like, uh, it's the very basic take of, like, is something, like, crazy, like, prescient, or is it just crazy influential? Like, all these sort of cyberpunk things that everyone's like, all this stuff that hap- that we were talking about in the 80s is coming true now. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it- is it coming to, or are people just, like, 
acting like the movies is like a thing I think about a lot. And like there was moments I should have like written them down because there's like a lot of moments in this when they were talking about uh, like the relationship to computers like Amelia was mentioning and also like the relationships to like war where I was like this is like so applicable and like people <laughs> just don't think about it or whatever and I was like I, I yeah there was like a lot of that but uh, yeah I mean the stuff with I could see like not responding to the stuff where she's just like monologuing because it is like not super engaging but I just found like the actress to be very uh very like do uh, she was doing like a great job and like I thought she was very compelling and uh yeah it was like very like uh wistful the way she was talking about it and like the relationship that is like built in the movie between her and like Chris Marker as the character of like the narrator I thought was really interesting and like there's like the recurring thing of uh her like inputting things into into the computer and it like saying I don't know how to x or like I don't know how to right. y and they like hit it back at the end in a way that I was like, "This is incredible." Yeah, um, I it it made me think a lot about of like the challenge of acting in a movie like this, and like the challenge of creating that sort of one person character in a way. Like I it I was like really like breaking it down back to like my like college like acting training of like how did she like sit there and like establish like what does my character want? And like, what is the action that my character is doing to try to like get what I want? Like all the, like on like a very basic, like character actor level, like how does it work to make a movie like this where all you're doing is sitting in a chair and delivering monologues to camera. And like some of the monologues are, are, are like just basically free association. It sort of felt to me like, um, yeah, it was, it was very, like, it made me think about that a lot. I, I do think, like, thinking about that took me out of the movie a little bit, uh, and, I, like, I didn't, like, I couldn't really track, like, her whole, like, I guess her arc is just, like, she is, like, increasingly disconnected, right, and is, like, is, is like, by the end is, like, not, like, it, it has lost, like, a sense of, like, hope and optimism, yeah. um, but uh, yeah, I would uh, yeah I would agree with that. Where I think it's like my sort of problem with why I don't love it is that I think it become it like becomes too didactic to buy in emotionally for me. Like it becomes too much like mm -hmm. a talking head documentary, like a person giving sort of story for me to like at the end fully buy like the em emotional story that they're trying to do. Also. And I don't, it's like, I wouldn't remove it because I think what it's doing just like thematically is important, but also it's like, I can't, I don't, I don't like fully emotionally connect to it. Yeah. Like, it's, um, yeah. And yeah it's like, I mean, it's like yeah. it's a movie sort of about disconnection and sort of like not relating to humanity and like the people around you and just like falling into computers and the stuff that it can right. happen to you. So it's like, Again, I, I think thematically yeah. it's important, and I buy it, and I enjoy it. Like on a right. like on a like mentally, I enjoy it. Emotionally, it's like does not not, not right. Do I do, much. yeah. I do sort of feel like I would respond more like if it were like a multimedia, like one person in person show, 
where like she was like sitting on a stage in front of you delivering these and then there were like all these other things that would like happen like with projections and stuff behind her like a spalling gray (laughs) yeah like that sort of like i wonder like if it's like that's what i'm missing from that is like the if just like the level of remove of like it being a film and it being having that camera separating me from the from the lead performance like is like what is I'm missing to fully buy into? Yeah, and I think doing. it's like I thought about a lot about like FMV games for like for anybody who doesn't know FMV or like full motion video games, which are like a thing that were a lot more popular in the in the '90s and late '80s, which is like video games, but like uh, it's like with actors and there's a camera and whatever like actions you take of tech, like whatever scenes are coming up next and that sort of thing. They have sort of been like exist. They sort of exist still in like different ways, like. The game, her story of the game that came out recently yeah. that has like that sort of full motion video structure that I think that sort of structure might be better for this sort of thing of just like being able to experience it at your own pace and like like absorbing the content in a way that feels more active and not as passive as this does but I don't know I like mm. there is certainly there's certainly benefits to it being this like solid whole but uh, it sort of it sort of makes the denseness hard harder to parse. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the verdict though is open the birthday box and <laughs> enjoy the gift of this movie. <laughs> That's how we're framing this, right? All these movies are birthday gifts, <laughs> and uh, our verdict is open the box. <laughs> Jesse, what's next? <laughs> Wait, well, no, next we have to him. call bullshit on whatever Gullen no. just said. <laughs> you don't like that? <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, true nonsense. <laughs> what? We're moving on to the uh, the 1997 Cannes Film Festival. We've got uh, the beaches in 1997. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jury president Isabella Johnny. We've got movies and competition like Michael Haneke's Funny Games. Hey. The first time. The Ice Storm. Oh boy. Uh, the uh, the Palm Door is a tie between Abbas Kiarostami's Taste of Cherry and Shohei Imamura's The Eel. Uh, Gary Oldman directed something. Oh boy. Uh, and. Oh boy, I'm reading what this movie is about. I can't imagine. <laughs> the Gary Oldman movie? See this is it movie. no good? Yeah. Someone should have picked uh, that. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about two other two other films that premiered in competition at this festival. Uh, Curtis Hansen's L.A. Confidential and Wong Kar Wai's Happy Together. We can talk about these films in either order or perhaps someone has a, a, grand a manifesto take. on how they're actually the same film and we don't have to talk about them separately they are not no. the same film i will say all right who wants to go, who wants to pick one to go first emilio <laughs> birthday boy i should have looked up which premiered first and then uh yeah oh well let's yeah, talk I was, about i, 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 I was not going to yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's like pretty yeah, good it's like fun. It's, it's like right. it's like it's, yeah. pure, it's like purely pastiche. There's like nothing like 
that much beyond it's just like yeah. guys being dudes shooting guns solving a crime like like yeah unlike That's other like, noir of the era where it has like trenchant commentary about like the so the like the social politics of la or whatever or the sort of or the like sort of corruption that exists in the underbelly that it, it kind of doesn't have like it sort of vaguely hints at it but it doesn't yeah. really have that it's just sort of like no. i mean yeah there's it's like, like a general popcorn. like I think there's a general like this institution is kind of rotten to the core like well I mean, gloss yeah. on it but like to like a certain extent like it, yeah. I mean it's it, I am certainly not one to comment on it like you know it's, it's like talking about how level five plays today and how this plays today like there are things that made it like annoying to watch this movie like uh, problematic care or uh, actors aside you know like. I had like a hard time at the beginning and then like thought the middle dragged and then I thought the ending was like pretty fun. It's like a three and a half movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it was my first time seeing it. I, um, I had, yeah, I had a pretty good time with it. I think, you know, it's, it's a lot of actors, uh, doing like a, th- a thing that really like that. I like really responded to guy Pearson and I think the most I've ever yeah, responded good. to guy Pearson, anything, um, uh, Danny DeVito, of course, having a lot of fun. The best, always. Um, yeah, J- James Cromwell also, I think, was 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 good in it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it, you know, it's. I think it does a pretty good job of like moving you along through like a complicated case. I often have a hard time, especially watching these sorts of things at home, where I get distracted and like check Twitter or whatever, and I like still ha- I. And I had some problems with because of that, because of my actions of like not giving the movie my full attention at all moments. But um uh, <laughs> but, Andy's uh, notes app apology. <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> but uh, responsibility for my actions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I mean boy. Um uh but but yeah, I think it was like yeah, there the the places it goes, I think the, like it, it goes in a lot of interesting places. I think it uh, it has very clear ideas of like its characters and how it wants to like present the, those characters. I feel like, uh, yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's. Yeah, it's. It's a. It's a well produced, like pretty slick movie. I would say. Yeah, like I may have been too harsh in my very quick w- rendering of my thoughts, but like, it has good stuff in it, and it's like a po- like it's a popcorn movie. I think like it's very easy to watch, like except for where. Like, I do think that the middle drags a bit, and, like, uh, I watched it yesterday, and, like, I had already, like, it was the second time I had seen it, and it, like, basically, the middle chunk already left my mind. Um, and it's got, like, some fun stuff with, like, I wish they were, they did more with, like, Basinger and uh, Strathairn. I thought they were, like, a fun aspect of, like, this sort of seedy Hollywood side of, like, this mm-hmm. L.A., like Amelia was saying, pastiche, and, like, you know, we're talking about video games in the last segment. I just was basically the whole time I was like, I wish I was playing LA Noir. This is like uh, the l- less uh, fun version of that. Um, and I'm like, I mean, have you have you played LA Noir? Recently? No, that game's that game's not. Right. Oh no! So I, this, is, this is the this is the sort of thing, not the sort of thing we should be having on this podcast. But LA Noir doesn't hold up. I Man, am. that's a bummer. Well, anyways, um, I think like. Uh, the performances, I think, are good. Like, DeVito, I, th- I think, is having a lot of fun. I think they get a lot of uh, juice out of, like, Russell Crowe as, like, 
the heavy brute, like, who snaps chairs in half and, like, is always, like, breaking shit. It's, like, fun in that regard. Uh, and, like, uh, Guy Pierce is, like, I was when you said that you hadn't really responded to him anything, I was trying to think if there was anything that I was, like, very into Guy Pierce on. And I think it's, like, only Ravenous and maybe uh, the Brian De Palma movie from last year, Domino. Um but he's like solid in it. I'm sort of, I'm 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 sort of obligated to say that Memento is good. <laughs> yeah. Um he's good in Memento, I agree. Yeah, but um it, yeah, I, I just think it's like kind of bloated. It's like two hours, like a little bit over two hours, and like I definitely as I'm like saying it's a popcorn movie and it's like an easy watch, I was like for sure checking the time at the end. I was like, okay. This or not even at the end, it was like the middle because the end is this like exhilarating, <laughs> like once uh Pierce and Russell Crowe are like on the same side, there's like a lot of fun stuff of them like throwing shit back and forth to each other, which I was like, this rules, <laughs> and right. like it's shot really well. Uh, and the score I, yeah. is uh, I don't have the Goldsmith, is that who yeah. did the score? Yeah, it, uh, it I mean, I, yeah, I also definitely was left with the impression like that, like as someone who has not finished it, but probably will, but like has watched a couple of Perry Mason's on HBO that like, (laughs) this would definitely be like a, a a limited series or whatever today. Um, of, of just like, you know, you, you would, you would stretch it out a little more and and spread it out. So like, I guess having it as a movie was like a little bit of a novelty in this day and age. And then like, just like as like a story critique, like having Russell Crowe be alive at the end, I think like takes a little bit of wind out of the sails of the movie. Uh, but you can like, you know, get over that. It's like a fine movie. It's like, <laughs> watch it if yeah, you want. I mean, it's it's like I I have this like sort of relationship. It's like I really like the aesthetics of like yeah. LA sort of noir mm-hmm. stuff, and it's like very fun. And it's like I have this sort of relationship that I think a lot of people have lived with like westerns, which is like even if a western is like met or whatever, you you sort of appreciate just like the trappings enough that you're just like sort of into it no matter what. And this falls, like, certainly into that camp for it. Like, I don't think it's, like, great in any certain way. I think the performances are very good, and I like the way how every character, like, like, bounces off of each other. But it's, like, it's not, like, it's not Chinatown. It's not, like, Devil in a Blue Dress. It's not Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Like, it doesn't have any of the great stuff that is in it, any of those movies. But it's, like, still just, like, a thing to watch. It's pretty yeah, it's fun. it's like a handsomely made movie with, like, a pretty high floor for what it is. Like, it's not like, yeah. it's not like a misfire. Like, it is, uh, uh, I think, like, an objectively well-made, well-acted movie. It's just, like, you know, who's watching it in 2020? <laughs> like, honestly, like, if it's, like, a movie that's, like, one of your movies, like, feel free, obviously. You know, you all make, everyone makes their concessions, right? <laughs> But it's like, uh, yeah, like uh, uh, just watch, just watch who framed exactly. Roger yeah, Rabbit. I mean, I there mean, are better movies that like or, do the pastiche, like Emilio was saying, and like, it, like it's like a weird thing to keep saying that it's like a good movie that it just like doesn't matter. I think, like, <laughs> it's a movie that like I could live without. Like, hey. I, I I'm not like thinking of it ever until we like were talking about this exercise. I was like. Should I watch that movie again? Like I've watched it before. I barely ever think about it. I mean, that's most well, I mean. Yeah. And I I guess we should also like this was the the movie of that we're talking about today that like was a big part of the Oscar conversation that year. Yeah, it's like uh, a huge it, hit. Yeah, it it right. did very well. I mean, this is also the Titanic year, right? So like I mean, oh. it was a little overshadowed by that, but it, I, I mean, think it, yeah. 
Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's like, it is like, it's like a big piece of like Hollywood genre exercise. Yeah. That, that. Yeah, it is, it, it is sort of a, like, they don't make them like yeah, that that's like anymore. It's got sort of another more. aspect to it, like having like the high floor of like, it's like a fun pastiche. It's like big actors all like, you know, at their like career, like as it's like hitting their like, you know, burgeoning career peaks, you know, like before they sort of like become like stalwart actors. And it's like, everyone's really great in it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess like the crow performance, like in contrast with his nice guys performance, which we recently did talk about. Yeah. Um, it's like interesting to see like, what would what what of his performance is gonna stay and like what is gonna shift as his career evolves uh that you can sort of pick out in in this la confidential performance he's like you know he's like young hot shit in this movie and like the yes. the way that he has um has aged uh think in even in dealing like in things that are, are similar genres now uh is like it's like a fun arc to sort of think about and contemplate i think yeah like he's an actor who like always has like the simmering like rage like and right. nice guys it's like just juxtaposed with uh like him being like goofy and cracking jokes and in this right. it's just like juxtaposed with him seething <laughs> right it's just like unable to like yeah to to control it and just like is lashing out or whatever um yeah happy together so, oh oh uh, yeah we, we all recommend you know open the box to nice uh, birthday bag of popcorn <laughs> for LA Confidential. Uh, this is truly I cannot imagine how this bit will continue throughout this episode. We'll see. Is there any other context for Happy Together, Jesse? Uh, I mean it when uh, Wong Kar Wai wins Best Director. Hey! Uh, Deservedly so. LA Confidential did not win anything. As Wong Kar Wai should win every time he wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh the god. So happy together. I've watched a lot of I've watched a lot of Wong Kar Wai. I like Happy Together a lot. I'm I'm sort of more interested to hear what you guys think of Happy sure. Together. Sure. Yeah. I defer to you. All right, I can start. Yeah, Happy Together. Uh I it was my first Wong Kar Wai that I've ever seen. Uh it was yeah, I was like very into the vibe almost immediately. Uh it's just like it's just a movie where you're like, oh boy, I like wanna live in this and like feel it and like see it all. I Again, I think mostly related to, like, the conditions under which we are all watching movies these days. Did not follow the plot super clearly, but it didn't ever really matter that much, I don't think. Like, I, like, pulled up the Wikipedia yeah. and, like, checked in a couple times and, like, oh, okay, that's, I basically got most of what's happening, but, like, I missed this aspect or whatever. Um, and, and that yeah. was good for I mean, it. he's the person who fucks around with, like, editing a lot and just, like... Yeah. Um, it's like there's there's just like certain skips of time where you're like, am I supposed to understand what happened here? Yeah. Um, Glad you said that. But that reminded me of a take I have. Sorry, go ahead, Andy. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, just yeah, just a movie that you want to live in and like the real like love and and craft with which he 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 makes these characters come to life and like it is truly like you know this you you sort of are drawn to them, but also a little bit like being like, want to give them some space and the way that he, I think places them both within their like physical environment 
and also their like emotional environment. I think like the way that those two play off of each other throughout the movie is like so exciting to watch and so like and it it, it's, it just makes you like enraptured by by whatever he's doing with the movie then so that's sort of like like the like feeling like the emotional truth of any moment and also like just the way that he is able to capture these like like this like the way that he captures like the apartment that is like not a very nice apartment but is like kind of a, like has certain like charms to it and like like all these like i don't know like the way that he captures the the, the actual physical environments um his like slow pan across the restaurant without when all the people are dancing and stuff and and like all these all these different like like all the physical stuff um that he captures a physical space and makes you gives you a real sense of like how much physical space is available at any given moment i think is like really special and was what i was one of my major takeaways from the movie yeah uh so I also thought it was like great. It's probably the best movie that we watched uh, for this exercise. Yes. Um, it uh, the lead performances of uh, like Tony Lung and Leslie Chung to like a lesser extent. He's like the more supporting of the two leads, but Tony Lung I think is like just uh, giving such an incredible performance. Uh, and we Andy mentioned uh, or sorry Emilio mentioned uh, that he like uh, Wong Kar Wai likes to like mess around with his edits and I like similar to Andy I was like it's not like plot light but it is more of like a vibey movie to where I was like let me check in just to see like when I finished it I was like to see like what I was supposed to like not get out of it but like make sure I was on the same page with the movie like with regards to like how the fu- like relationships function and everything and uh, I saw a fun like tidbit that his like original cut was like three plus hours and he chopped it up and I was like as I uh, was watching it, I was like getting a similar vibe to someone who's a favorite of mine who does a similar thing. Uh, you know, plot light makes a long cut, chops it up. You don't know like order sometimes. This is very Terrence Malick, especially mm. like late period. And then the other thing of Terrence Malick is I think one of the iconic director cinematographer duos, uh, like for me, is um, Malick and Lubezki. And like I think their work later on is some of my favorite like in any movie and like all of their collaborations are some of my favorite movies and then like neck and neck with them is Wong Kar Wai and Christopher Doyle who like all of the movies of Wong Kar Wai's that I've seen which is like only three uh they all look so damn good and like this movie's colors are just insane and like they do the like Andy was talking about the pan across the restaurant it's like a gorgeous shot they have like uh they do it more in Fallen Angels, but, like, the very, like, close-up to, like, the actor's face shot is, like, a favorite. Um, and, like, you talk about uh, the influence of the movie, like, the without being, like, too superficial, it is, like, clear you can see, like, a, he, uh, Barry Jenkins talks about how Wong Kar Wai is, like, a big influence on him. And you get that from, like, In the Mood for Love a lot with, like, the smoking scenes where they're, like, looking into the camera and everything. Uh, and then you get it with uh, this. There's, like, the scenes where they're, playing soccer and it like is very uh similar to the scenes where they're playing like I think just like like a tackle game or whatever in uh Moonlight and then like uh in Moonlight the character that is um why can't I think of his actor's name right now uh this is a uh, uh, Andre Holland Andre yes Holland. what a blunder mm-hmm. um he's like in his section of the movie he's got this like very striking white shirt on 
and like this the whole scenes with them like in the kitchen and like playing soccer for uh happy together uh they've got these white shirts on i was like oh this is like the same vibe um but yeah it just rules it's so good uh the ending is like emotionally (laughs) devastating where he grabs the picture um and like the way that they do the uh Andy was talking about the space, like the apartment is so like, you know, like every inch of it, like when they're going back and forth between the bed and the couch is like such a, uh, I mean, it's just like a very like evocative thing of like this, you know, broken apart relationship that we see like at the beginning of the movie, it's like toxic in a way and like how they're just like going back and forth with each other. And like, again, not to be superficial, but it, uh, the movie that like, similarly touches on a toxic like male gay relationship that I've seen is uh keep the lights on the Iris Axe movie um and it like is a very similar vibe to like that uh relationship in the apartment and uh what was the other thing oh the black and white at the beginning like the colors in the movie are insane but the black and white is like just so striking and like when you the way that they use like the color for like how their relationship is going and like how Tony Lung is like uh, mentally, I think is like very, I mean, just great. It's like a very great yeah. movie. I mean, yeah. And well, yeah, it, it, it toggles between the black and white and the color, I think. And, and so fun. Like anytime it like cuts from black and white, like of the, of the characters to like the full color of like that, the, the waterfall or whatever it is oh, like that environment yeah. of, and you just like sit on that like long shot of like, a big natural event that is like not entirely clear what's happening, but it's like, it's like very clear. Like I am observing nature in some way from like a high uh, removed perspective. Like those cuts like were like really like landed. They landed very strongly. Yeah. It's like, I love Wong Kar Wai. He's probably my favorite filmmaker alive. He's just, the things he can communicate with just like the use of, like editing and color and sound are just astounding i think there are things about romance and love that he's one of the few people who fully get how to make a movie like sexy really and just like the sort of romantic these feelings of romantic attachment i was trying to find this emily vanderwerf thing that i saw her tweet once that i thought was a very intelligent thing that she tweeted about Watchmen and David L- Damon Lindelof show that I think applies to what my feelings on uh, Wong Kar Wai's work was, which is one thing, her tweet is, one thing I th- I think Damon Lindelof understands almost better than any other showrunner on TV is that great romance slash wooing stories involve proximity, while great love stories involve separation. Mm-hmm. And I think Wong Kar Wai is the best filmmaker ever at proximity. Yeah. I think he makes you understand like the physical how the physical space between two people can like alter how they feel about each other the like the ways in which separation kind of fucks with it but also the ways in which being close together can fuck with it and like feeling someone's heartbeat but not feeling their heart and the ways in stuff like sweat and like these like sweat and smoke and that those sort of like separation okay so i got slightly cut off by my internet but i think the last point i wanted to make is that in, in reference to the apartment which both of you noticed and talked about i think that is like some of the strongest stuff in the movie of just like 
how you see it, how you can tell it's unbearable when they're both there together and they're living on the sort of fuck, like weird fucked up situation that they're living in. But you also see how empty and sad it is when one of them isn't there. And you sort right. of get like the sort of torturousness of love and romance and just like when like they clearly love each other and they're both very beautiful people and you would like to see them love each other. But also it's unbearable and it's impossible to be together. And I think nobody yeah. does that better than Wong Kar Wai. I mean, what, yeah. in the mood for love, it is masterpiece for that reason because it's like one of the most beautiful things ever depicted on screen. It's just like two people who want to love each other but just can't, and just like how the struggles within yeah. that, the, like the inter- just like how internal that is, and how well he is at how good a job he does at capturing that on screen. Which when that can be a very hard thing to depict. Obviously, he has a great cat, like repertoire of actors who work in his movies who can do that, like like Tony Long and like Maggie Chung and Leslie Chung and Chang Chen appears in this movie for a, like a very yeah fun couple of scenes that are all they'll that also was, end up being heartbreaking. That was like another Malik thing was like he had a whole subplot with that character that just got cut out, which is like very much Malik's style. Um, but yeah, great movie. We all recommend. <laughs> Do you want to put it in the fucking bag or? Uh, yeah, we open up the Christmas. Open up the birthday box <laughs> of uh, a bunch of cigarettes, a bunch of yeah. cartons of cigarettes, and some, and, yeah, and some nice. I mean, yeah, food. I don't know. The a very like uh, uh, good food move. Yeah, very basic thing is like Wonka Y great at making smoking look cool, and also like for like in quarantine watching this, I can only imagine. Like uh, uh, like without getting too deep into it, I live in like not America, so I'm like on a softer quarantine than the, a lot of other people are. But like uh, you know, being like sad and horny, <laughs> locked up in your house is very relatable. Um, but open up that box of cigarettes and let's move on to the final movie, Jesse. Uh, don't smoke, kids. And smoking is cool. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> not. My no. Take. It's gross, gross as hell. Disgusting. It smells and will ruin no your life and kill you. It, look cool. it always looks cool and it is cool. <laughs> <laughs> Come to your own conclusion. Monster. <laughs> yeah, this is the, uh, Emilio's Capone now, Emilio. take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh boy, uh, the yeah. science is clear. Don't smoke. Human Joe Campbell, Colin Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're gonna move on to the uh, Venice Film Festival where we're going to be talking about the I need to say the words closer together Uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about the Golden Lion winner Takeshi Kitano's Fireworks or Hanabi is the Japanese title right yeah uh I want to take the Emilio approach and let you guys go first. I feel like that's a bad idea considering my thoughts, but it's like I, it's like a very interesting movie. It made me think a lot about like the nature of editing and the nature of like filmmaking and the sort of like it made me have a like a, a conversation I normally hate because I think people misunderstand this like style versus substance, mm-hmm. and I like don't. I rarely enjoy having that conversation because I feel like people misunderstand like sometimes form like informs function and it's like 
I feel like people like to skip over that when they talk about like A24 movies or whatever, where they talk about like, oh, it's doing too much or like doing too much is the point of the movie or whatever. And I don't feel like it's like, obviously any criticism is valid, but I think like those come from like a misplaced point. Because with fireworks, if, for how sort of low key it is, it, I do think it's some, it sort of suffers due to things that I think are like, sort of breathtaking pieces of like filmmaking and like shot choice and editing that like but that just like contribute to me feeling more hollow at the end than I think the movie intends because I think one of the things that the movie does so beautifully in just like a moment to moment basis is that like there are scenes where where there's like an act of violence or like a sort of thing about relationships that it just like cleverly like edits into and just like yes it's like it's like the shot before it cuts and the shot after it cuts are just like these brilliant just the positions yeah that's my take on the movie but Go ahead, sort of but at the end i sort of found it's like i've always wanted this is a sort of like i'm gonna go on a rant here like a rant <laughs> just not a rant but i'm gonna ramble for a bit but like i often watch movies and i sort of my only takeaway is like huh that would be very cool to put in a movie like if i ever made a movie these sort of like shots and these sort of like edits i think are very cool things to put in movies but i always like think about like but where would i use it if i had like a story that and i never have that thought and the thing is and it's like those sort of sub thoughts where you, you just see like a, a scene go too long in like a Hollywood movie or like a more traditional movie, and you're just like, Come, do we need this? We could just like cut and we could like yeah. edit it. And this movie at the end sort of made me miss those moments because it's like, it sort of leaves the movie with like no personality. It's just a, sort of like an impressive act of filmmaking that any sort of emotionality or like connection to these specific characters and these specific people in this movie don't exist because any sort of moment where you could like show that they just cut out of and the sort of central story that's trying to tell like the movie is generally like it's about this ex-cop who has like a dying wife in the hospital and due to like a situation that happened at the beginning he sort of leaves his partner out to dry who gets paralyzed and he's like feels a level of guilt over that he like goes into that with the yakuza and has to get out of it and has and he also, and while also like taking care of, of his wife who is ill. And it's like, that's sort of a compelling logline, but I wish the movie was like trashier. I think, I think I wish, I think I wish I re- would have seen the action because then I have something to connect to where it's like, if you just do like, it's like if you took like John Wick and then you edited out all of the action scenes and you're just like, this is a very compelling experiment in how to like make this sort of film and sort of how to sort of like tell these sorts of stories and the things you can skip over. But also the things that I like about movies aren't here because you cut over them. And that's sort of my thought, like a big like emotional center of the movie is like his relationship with his wife who might as well not be a person in any way, shape, or form. And it's like, they sort of try to communicate, well, she has an illness, and it's like, she's supposed to be sort of gone, and she's supposed to be sort of like, he's supposed to be sort of frustrated with her level of, like, capacity to understand the world around her due to, like, her illness or whatever. But it sort of seems insulting to that character and to, like, 
how am I supposed to relate to what this man is going through if I can't even understand like the basic like emotional through line of him like it's a very deadpan movie which I think is an interesting like take and I think like in in a vacuum I think it's cool but again when I come to, to the end of it I'm just like very numbed and just don't feel anything about it like I think it's it's ending is sort of brilliant from like a screenwriting perspective and just like structure perspective but it's like uh, there's nothing for me to hang on to what do you think Paulo? oh no Andy go ahead I mean, yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this one. It was, like, I was, like, very early on was, like, oh, this movie is dealing in, like, tropes and, like, things that, like, I almost never respond to. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, like, I never really got connected with any of the characters. I never really, like, figured out, like, what I was going to be, like, excited about in this movie, really. Um, it, I mean, it, like, and, like, I was, like, well, this all seems, like, very well made, and it seems, like, it, like, it looks good, like, it, it has a, it has a Joe Hisashi show, score, which is, like, it's good, I'm not sure it fits the movie very yeah, well. Yeah, the same, I had that same sort of thought, which is, like, um, goes back to, like, the, the like, my general criticism of, like, I think in a vacuum that Joe Hisashi score is brilliant and gorgeous and beautiful, I don't know what the hell it has to do with the movie. At the right, yeah. Again. Yeah, it just, yeah, and it sort of feels like, yeah, a movie that, like, grabbed a bunch of tropes, like, sort of shoved them together, and, like, was, like, we're gonna, like, do, we're gonna make sure, like, it, like, it's, um, it's, like, it's, it's got a, it's, like, it's a high-level aesthetics, and then, like, there wasn't that, anything else underneath it for me, really, to grab onto. I think, like, Takeshi Kitano is, I think, a sort of fascinating figure, because he's not primarily a director, even though he won the Golden Lion at Venice here. He's, like, a television presenter and like an actor like a like a sort of goofy comedy host so it's like funny mm-hmm. to think about him in this context of just like making this incredibly like sort of beautiful artsy film in which he is like the sort of deadpan star of but I, uh, I have very little connection to him yeah I certainly don't know what tropes it's like that is like old hat to you Andy like it's very much like uh like taking a approach to like a police procedural in a way that I hadn't seen before. So I uh, don't really, uh, I mean, the story is is like, is like he like had like a thing that went bad. And so he lost his partner or whatever. And like someone, he feels bad about someone else getting injured and like he's messed up with the mob or like all these things. I was like, this is all like, none of this is like that interesting to me. Well, I mean, yeah, that's like, so what I think is like everything Emilio was saying about why he doesn't like it is why it's great. <laughs> and um like I think what you can what I connected to emotionally is how sort of uh like not broad strokes but it is like a bit blank. Like it's got the first half of like you know Andy saying these tropes and that is like the first half of the movie basically. Like he gets um he's like uh, a sort of like you know beaten down like old cop who uh, is hanging out like with these like his old partner and everything still and you're having like these flashes of uh, like an attack and like you it doesn't like until like a later scene it doesn't really cement that it's like a flashback but you you know you learn that that's what it is and like what happened is like uh, 
one of his like uh, people who was working with him on this case get killed, another one get injured, and he like lost his mind and emptied like his entire gun into like a corpse, basically is what they're saying. And like he, they keep th- uh, showing throughout the movie that he's got like not rage issues, but like he is like just a mad dog and like can like snap on a dime and like uh, shove chopsticks in this guy's eye. And I think like Amelia was saying that the way they cut around violence. Uh, he didn't like as much because it's like cutting the good stuff in a way, um, unless I'm oversimplifying your take, which I apologize for. It's sort of oversimplified. It's like, I did say that, but it's like, it's like, I appreciate the intent. It's just like, it's hard to describe. You you keep going. Well, yeah, I just, I think that that is like what I was like surprised by was like, it is like a violent movie, like I think objectively, but the way that he does sort of just like, cut to the result rather than the act I think is very not powerful but just like it is interesting a way to where like I'm glued to it and like I'm invested uh like formally and then what it does like you know he he goes on this uh he like robs a bank he like gets his old cop uniform and like paints a taxi to look like a cop car and robs his bank so he can pay off his debts to the Yakuza and just go with his wife and like help her on her like final like hours or whatever and like Amelia was saying that she's not really a character at all and I think that that is like maybe a fair criticism because like I like the movie like quite a bit I don't think it's like a perfect movie at all and like I think that Happy Together is a better movie like of what we're covering but I think it's got like not a lot on his mind but it's just like a lot more than what is like I don't know how to describe it but like I think that that relationship is like beautiful in how sort of like funny it is and like that whole half or like back half of the movie basically is almost just like a like kind of quirky road trip of like this husband and his like sick wife and they're just sort of like doing things and then like they'll laugh and like it'll just go to the next scene and like there's like the through line of the movie with these paintings and the partner who got like shot at the beginning um like his marriage like falls apart and he becomes like uh stuck in like a depressive funk and just resorts to painting and there's like a very like Andy and Amelia I think we're both like giving credit to like how good the movie looks uh there's like a very interesting scene where it's just him looking at an object and then that object becoming like a painting and like it just happens for like a good amount of time it's almost like an intermission <laughs> the way that it's framed within the movie uh but you sort of keep going back to this character and I think it's, like, similarly broad in its depiction of, like, you, like, they mentioned the characters' names, like, a few times, but, like, you don't know the characters' names, I think. Like, it basically d- is not, like, what the movie is doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, the relationship of, like, uh, I, I did not know that uh, Katana was, like, a uh, comedy presenter. And, like, it shows because there's, like, the bit where the wife like rolls over his hand and you, you just cut to like a glove stuck in the snow when he's like trying to put on snow tires. And there's like the bit where she just like falls directly in the snow is good. They like, and it, the way it's cut, it reminded me of like a movie that I think is not as good as this. And it's like similarly trying for like, I, I think much more like trying for like a pastiche than this is. But uh, the movie Looper, the Ryan Johnson movie, it has like these similar like cuts away from action and like uh to where it is like very stagey in a way like uh there's a scene where he like sticks his finger between like the gun that like m- to make it not fire or whatever 
and it just like instead of like I feel like a normal movie would like pan down maybe but it's just like the cutting of it I think is what makes it so visually interesting and engaging and like what makes it interesting to me as a movie of like its humor and like even in the darkest moments of the movie that it has like these weird like just bits and like the ending is the thing that I wrestle with the most like I just watched it today but the uh yeah I will say the ending is weirdly one of the few parts of it that seems overdone when it's a movie that yeah it's 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 a lot of its success is being like that sort of subtle and like cutting around stuff yeah but and the thing is like the ending like to get into like full spoilers I guess if you don't want to hear like this movie spoiled for you I think it like would still work if you were interested in it but you know, whatever. Um, it it ends like with the wife and him on the beach, and like they get to the beach, and like there's not cops chasing them, but like his old like sort of worker like bees or whatever like end up finding him and like cover up like he ends up killing these like yakuza mob members, and they like cover up the crime a bit, and they just like come to like see him, and he's like just give me a few minutes or whatever, and he like goes down and is like just sitting with his wife watching like a girl fly a kite. And then the, like, camera, like, pans up to the sky, and you see, like, this, like, just, you know, sort of gorgeous, like, sunset or, like, sunrise-looking thing. It's just, like, a beautiful shot of, like, this beachy landscape. And then you just hear two gunshots. And, like, what it leaves up to interpretation, I don't really like. And I think, like... I don't think it leaves anything. It's, like, one of those things where it's, like, in, in, like, what he's doing filmmaking-wise suggest that there's something left to interpretation but there like really isn't it's like well yeah I, I mean I guess that's like what it like if it is as obvious as what it suggests then I like don't like it and the fact that I have to like not have to think about it but the fact that it's like a question is like one of my least favorite aspects of the movie and I think like the rest of it is like very interesting and like more so uh like I'm like we've t- uh, talked about in the past how like people have hard times engaging with things because of quarantine or because just like not feeling up to like emotionally investing in a movie or whatever. I'm like a very, like, I'm like a mark. I'm easily invested. I like, you know, if something's didactic, it will work on me. I'm just like a dummy in that regard to where like I was very invested, like where like the road trip element of like the husband and wife together, I was like, Oh, this is just so like lovely and sweet in this, uh, you know, pretty violent, like, cop movie, and I was, like, surprised by that, and I thought, I mean, like, the bit, or not bit, but, like, what was brought up beforehand was everyone was like, you're just gonna say you like it because it looks cool, and it's true, I like it, and it looks cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, like, you calling it blank sort of, like, puts me more into this, like, I sort of do, un- like, recognize that that is what it's trying to do, it's sort of, like, leaving a lot of stuff to, like, not interpretation, but it's, like, your own like perspective on these certain situations will color it however they want you and it, like you bring into it as much as you get out of it but i feel like it does that a lot and it's like i can't i can't fully like yeah it's like i feel like again the main character the beat takeshi takeshi katano character i feel like it's like if i want to i have to do all the work of coming up with that character because i feel like everything he's doing of exists outside of a scope for me to really understand and i think it's a good performance generally i think there are very good physical moments for him i feel like his stoicness works on it he's a he's weird a peter falk vibe yeah he's a weird 
like this like figure it's so you sort of a weird figure to describe in japanese like even i'm like i'm no expert in japanese culture but even i know of beat takeshi which is like what he's commonly referred to as as just like sort of like a celebrity so it's like figure in these sorts of like top like yakuza movies but also like a tv presenter so it's it's sort of weird to find like some american analog of like it's like if an ex person or whatever directed a movie and it was like sort of weirdly brilliant but i don't know i appreciate it's like it's this sort of thing where as another scope in which i think of movies often which i don't know i shouldn't because this isn't really an ambition of mine but it's like if i was ever teaching like a cinematography class or i was like teaching a film class i would for sure show just like look at all these things this movie is doing and like look at how interesting it is and look at the scope at which it performs but yeah just like connecting to it emotionally it's a leap i could never really take and i really wanted to But, Would yeah. a uh, uh, potential comparison be, what if Jimmy Fallon had followed up Taxi with uh, directing an art film? No. Cause he's, not, <laughs> he's not, I don't think he's that level of like Chris, I don't think he was like a late night host. It was more like. Yeah, but Taxi is like 2004 Jimmy Fallon. Uh-huh. When he's just on a snow. It's like if Regis Philbin directed Dogville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, I guess, like, maybe, uh, I know Latin America this for sure exists, but I think, like, in America, it's maybe less of a thing of just, like, a person who is a celebrity who just does a yeah. bunch of stuff that is, like, less tied yeah. to one sort of specific thing. Right. Yeah, I think that's, like, a lot of, like, like, European, like, you have, like, Italian, they just, like, have, like, famous people and it's like right. they host the show public, they're public like they sing like, yeah. and like they just they're just like uh, you know all around performer I mean um, I guess the, yeah. this person had like a couple of movies released in America but it's like not obviously not the same vibe but it's like Eugenio Derbez is a person who like sort of mm. exists within that space in like Latin American culture just like he doesn't really host like a show but he will show up to a thing yeah I guess it's like Kevin Hart I was in sure <laughs> Uh-huh. I, yeah, guess I guess that's this the is, this is the upside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we all definitely recommend opening the box of uh, chopsticks in your eye yeah. or a painting, a set of painting, <laughs> paintbrushes uh, and paints. I guess this I might be. Yes. I guess this might be like spiral from the book of saw. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, that is maybe the comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, hey, could be could be a similar quality. We don't know if that movie is going to win Venice. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what's impressive is that this one, The Golden Lion. And, like, I had only known of, like, when I saw the movie, I, I like, I did not know who Takeshi Kitano was, like, by name. But when I was watching it, I was like, this looks like the guy. And I was, like, in my mind's eye trying to place where I knew him. And it's because I'd seen, like, outrage on, like, a bunch of, like, year-end lists and, like, decade-end lists. I was like, that's the guy, and that's his movie. <laughs> I was like, this is, like, maybe someone I need to go deeper on. But, yeah. With that, should we start wrapping up? Yeah. Um, do we have any do we, like final thoughts on or, uh, yeah on what 1997 has to should say? Should we all about say what this? our favorite movie of 97 is? I don't know what it is oh, off the top of my head. Uh, I can look it up real quick. I uh, yes, I, I decline to participate in this. <laughs> this is just like a confusing situation of just like 
if I go by Amer- what is commonly referred to as the American release date, it's 99, but it re- Perfect Blue released in Japan in 1997, and I think that's one of the three greatest movies ever made. So it's that, and it's not, if it's not, then it's like Happy Together, maybe. I don't know, there's right. good movies in 97. I guess it's Jackie Brown. I haven't seen a lot Jackie of Jackie Brown is also movies. good. Yeah, I think it might have to be Titanic, just because it's like... Any perfect movie. I love Boogie Nights, obviously. Jackie yeah, Brown, Boogie Funny Nights Games. Yeah, Boogie Nights Happy is Together good. Is up there. Starship Troopers is good. Uh, Ice Storm, like we mentioned. Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke, good. Mononoke, the, uh, another weird, like, if that's like, yeah, a, yeah. That's like a Japan yeah. 97, America 99. Yeah, once you get to, like, before 2000, I, like, stop being able to really keep track of, like, what the... U.S. release date and what the international. Oh, and the end of Evangelion. That's a fucking great movie. Face Off. Mm -hmm. Star Wars: The Special Edition, of course, one of my favorites. Never seen. (laughs) I'm pretty sure if you have seen any of those Star Wars movies, you've seen the. Is that the one that was on VHS? Depends on when you bought the VHS. Yeah. They were like hand me downs from like my grandfather. You, then that's you, the only way I've ever seen those movies is VHS. <laughs> okay, then you might be one of the few who to experience them. Men in Black is a good movie. People like that one. Yeah. Oh yeah, Men in Black's great. I really Romy Michelle is very good. That's that's I personally really don't like the Ice Storm, but I know a lot of people like, wow. like the Yeah, Ice I Storm. yeah. The first but Austin I, Powers, of course. But yeah, Sherry Delic. Ninety-seven's a weird year. Like we taught, we we mentioned uh, that Taste of Cherry was yeah, uh, part of that. the tie for the Palm Dover. Yeah, yeah uh, you, yeah. Like you guys have mentioned, like a lot of movies that are like one of my least favorites from filmmakers that I like generally. So like, yeah, there's there's right. Uh, yeah, there's not a ton that. that I'm I mean, seen Jackie Brown. No. Um, I feel like that's I, the Tarantino yeah, that you Yeah, I feel like that would I be... I guess, yes. But, I mean... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, probably, it's, it might be in the, the Evangelion. Like, if I count perfectly with a 99, then end up Evangelion might be mine. But that's, like, such a weird thing to, like... Not to get into, like, movie versus TV discussion, but that's, <laughs> like, that's such a... I mean, it's definitely a movie, but it's, like, not something you should you watch. watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not something you should watch on its own. <laughs> Watch a movie called End of something. Yeah, End of Watch was after uh, a the, bunch a TV show watch. called Watch. Yeah. End of Watch is the um, sequel to The Watch. Exactly. I guess yeah, that's the better. Okay. Yeah. I guess also are, did we establish the like the logistics and or the mechanics of submitting to your contest, Jesse? It's you, just you tweet it. Tweet you at tweet can it I it kick it? it? What's that Twitter handle? It's at Can I Kick It? You, uh, yeah, tweet at us who you think who who you think picked each movie. Uh, you only get one guess. The first person who is correct again will win their choice of these films. Uh, is a digital copy. I will. I will, uh, I will say it. The, it's it's a pretty hilarious bit for some for somebody to get a gift for my birthday episode that it's not me. So I will say that. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna happen three more times by like uh-huh. next June or yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it was like very funny to hear you say like, 
oh, you could win a Happy Together DVD. I was like, I would like that. That seems cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you can enter the contest. I mean, like, you know who I has mean, not made any <laughs> open set, open set you contest. From entering the contest. <laughs> I guess yeah. If no one gets I mean, it right, give me then your, give me your address. I'll buy you a like a twenty five dollar out of print DVD on eBay. Well, we'll talk off air. We'll talk off air. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not gonna give my. <laughs> we'll, <ad> talk. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah, that's not what I'm asking for. <laughs> if yes, if yeah, anyone wants to send a you can also follow us. I said if anyone wants to send a birthday present. Never mind. Go ahead. You can also follow us on Letterboxd at C-I-K-I-Pod. You can follow me on either Twitter or Letterboxd at J.P. Glick Weber. Weber has two Bs. You can find links to anything that uh, we're plugging in the description, all of our social media and uh, whatnot. Uh, and I'm going to continue to... Uh, Week two. Yep, plug one of the greatest albums of all time, one of the ten best. We're going to get to all ten eventually. Uh, this week we're going to go with uh, The Velvet Underground's White Light, White Heat. Uh, you know, there's... You got a few choices with Velvet Underground albums, but I feel like this is where, like, you get in before John Cale leaves, so you still got his influence, uh, but it in some ways feels, as much as uh, The Velvet Underground and Nico is a great album, it feels like it is kind of advancing from that album in some ways. Uh, very experimental. Uh, you've got a nice story song in the middle. Great album. Eagle-eyed listeners uh, will remember that our early theme songs are all like Lou Reed, Velvet Underground. That's right. Well, a few of them. Well, like yeah. two or three. Right. Oh, is that why you're doing this now? Is because you don't have any other venue through which to assert your music taste by picking no. opening songs? No. I mean, that thought didn't occur to me. Okay, good. Should I start pl- my, my stuff? Are you done, Jesse? Yep. Okay. I'm Andy... You can follow me online at AndyTGerm on Twitter, Letterboxd, etc. I guess Instagram, although I, it's my, my Instagram is private and I'd never approve anyone, so good luck You're trying to get in there. You're mostly just selling like tummy tea and... Uh... Um, <laughs> for my plug, I'm going to plug uh, to continuing my series of uh, great Tony Awards performances that you should watch uh, from the 65th Annual Tony Awards, the 2012 edition um uh Sutton Foster uh in Anything Goes. Uh just tap dancing for days. Uh it's the best, just like all these choreograph all this choreography of tap, uh like three levels of tap dancers happening, uh, and the best um arm movements to accompany that tap dancing. I love it so much. Like every time the brass hits like a bop, like they stick their arms up and, and tilt their head and it's the best thing that you'll watch. Uh, so that's my plug for this week. Cullen. I'm Cullen. You can follow me uh, across all social media at Clatchley, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y. And I, of course, would like to plug my good friend Emilio Diaz, whose birthday we're recording on today. Happy birthday, Emilio. Happy birthday. One of the best in the biz. Yes, he's great. Without getting too sentimental, 
you know, uh, as someone who has a hard time uh, telling people that they're their friends, and this is like a very dangerous precedent to set for like the birthday episode of someone who hates <laughs> receiving compliments. I just want to say that Emilio is one of my very good friends, and you know, he's like like I said, one of the best in the biz. Uh, everyone, show love to Emilio. <laughs> love you, buddy. So listen to the rest of these birthday episodes if you want to find out if the rest of us are Cullen's friends. <laughs> yeah, well, I got the yeah. answer may surprise you. <laughs> Emilio, I laugh alone. You can follow me on Twitter at I am laugh alone. You can find our the person who made our theme song, Tree Related, Tree Related, SoundCloud.com slash Tree Related, where you can find the theme that is very good. You can also search Tree Related on Spotify. That is awesome. We should also say next week, uh, we got a yeah, gr- a watch, great guest. watch the movie. Yeah, we got a great. We 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 uh, we, maybe even if next week would be a good week to like watch the movies to prepare for. We're talking about two movies, and those movies are of course Colossal Youth and Mr. Bean's Holiday. Yes. Have you ever wondered? How being handled Brexit next week's episode is for you. I'm very excited for next week's episode to come out, and I strongly recommend everyone watch Mr. Bean's Holiday in preparation. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, my plug at the end of this week's episode is to listen to next week's episode. <laughs> yeah, don't give up on us. <laughs> Which is good. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a good time. We talked about some movies. It was good stuff. Um, yeah, okay. Jesse, Jesse and the episode. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'd like to please release our audience. Bye. Happy birthday. When I die, bury me in Sally Gucci style. When I 